From WNYC in New York, this is On the Media. I'm Bob Garfield. And I'm Brooke Gladstone. Every time news breaks about a mass shooting, we see a flurry of downloads of a one-page postable sheet we wrote called the Breaking News Consumer's Handbook. It happened in May of this year after the shootings near the campus of the University of Santa Barbara, and then again in early June after another campus shooting in Seattle, and two weeks later after a high school shooting in Oregon. And even weirdly, after that Malaysian passenger jet was downed in Ukraine. Why? Because the news after a mass death is invariably wrong in key respects. Our Breaking News Consumer's Handbook first ran in September of 2013 after a shooting at the D.C. Navy Yards. Here's Wolf Blitzer. Someone dressed in a black top, black jeans. What does that say, if anything, about a possible motive or or whatever? Can we begin to draw any initial conclusions? And I want to alert our viewers, sometimes these initial conclusions can obviously be very, very wrong. The initial coverage of the mass shooting at the Washington Navy Yard by contractor Aaron Alexis bore all the earmarks of classic reportage in the midst of these all-too-frequent horrors. It stunk. We're looking at a situation possibly involving multiple shooters here at the Washington Navy Yard. Wrong. It's believed that whoever this gunman is, a man in his uh, 50s who uh, is carrying three weapons, a handgun, a shotgun, and an assault rifle. Wrong about his age. Wrong about the assault rifle. Earlier today, some media outlets were tweeting out that the shooter was a man named Raleigh Chance. Now that is dangerously wrong. Breaking news, whether of a violent storm or a vicious gunman, creates chaos and confusion. That's a given. But what the news media do in the face of it, that's a choice. And they pretty much make the same choice in every medium, on every platform, in every era. Rumors ran rampant. At first it was uh, thought that uh, Vice President Johnson had also been shot in the attack. During the JFK assassination, if you listen to the radio broadcasts, they sound as uncertain as Twitter reporters sound when they're reporting if he's alive, if he's dead. Rebecca Greenfield writes for the Atlantic Wire. A reporter in Dallas goes back and forth on it. At one point, they report that there were three shooters there. It goes all the way back to the reporting of the Titanic, even. There were false telegraphs saying that the Titanic hadn't sunk and that it was on its way to Halifax safe. The new media environment means everyone gets to report or disseminate news of disaster. Some report well, some badly, but all are retweeted. So listen up. Some of this is on you. When a breaking news situation is happening, you really should pay attention to certain key words that members of the media may use because they mean very distinct things. Andy Carvin is the senior strategist on NPR's digital desk. So, for example, if they say we're receiving reports that XYZ has happened, that should suggest to you that some of their sources are claiming something, but it's not necessarily confirmed. Whereas if they then say, we can confirm that such and such has happened, that means that they feel that their sourcing is strong enough that they can go out on a limb and claim that this is an actual fact. And there are all sorts of words that they may use in between, such as, it appears that such and such has happened. So they're feeling somewhat confident, but they still haven't necessarily confirmed it either. What about CNN has learned? 
One of the things that you will sometimes hear during breaking news is the phrase, CNN has learned or NPR has learned. While it may not seem like a big deal, it's their way of saying we have some sort of scoop. So on the one hand, it could mean that they do have a scoop and they're the first ones to confirm something. Or they're going out on a limb and reporting something that no one else has felt comfortable reporting yet. A shooting where NPR got it initially wrong was reporting that Congressperson Gabby Giffords had died. In a fast-changing news situation with conflicting reports, we should have been more cautious. NPR News apologizes to the family of Representative Giffords and to you, our listeners. Which is why it's also important to listen to whether or not they're claiming what the source is. So, for example, if they say, we're receiving information from law enforcement sources or law enforcement officials, if they're not going on record with that law enforcement official's name, then it's still essentially speculation. Whereas if they say officer such and such at a press conference five minutes ago said X, Y, Z, that means the officials have gone on the record with their names and the information that they have. Unnamed sources led CNN up the path to perdition by wrongly claiming a suspect had been apprehended in the Boston Marathon bombing. And unnamed officials wrongly fingered Ryan Lanza, the actual shooter's brother, as the gunman at Sandy Hook. But named officials maligned the citizens of New Orleans in the wake of Katrina. In the first hours of mayhem coverage, trust no one. News consumers longing for certainty should just learn to live with the pain. As Carvin says, mark our words, meaning the media's words, and learn from experience, even if we don't. First off, they should be wary about names that come out because often shooters are using different IDs or often the law enforcement officials are wrong. Ian Fisher is assistant managing editor for digital operations at the New York Times. Be wary of organizations that blindly quote other organizations without solid sourcing. They aren't taking a very big chance in doing that. They can always say, oh, that was them, not us. Another thing is uh, there's almost never a second gunman. It's like House on the TV show saying it's never lupus. Right. It's, <laughs> it's never lupus. There's almost never another gunman. Craig Silverman, author of the Pointer Institute's Regret the Error blog, has just written a piece which he plans to run every time there's a crisis. It's called, This is My Story About the Breaking News Errors That Just Happened. And it just basically will fit pretty much any breaking news error situation in the future. Okay, so what happens every single time? So misidentification of people, usually of victims, of perpetrators, very consistent. We'll often see mistaken numbers in terms of the number of victims, in terms of the number of perpetrators, and that kind of thing as well. Sometimes location is incorrect, where something originated, where something is happening now. Mistakes also related to images, so fake images that are portrayed as real or images that were taken previously and sort of find their way to be presented as if they're new. So that's very consistent as well. As you know, big news brings out the fakers. Absolutely. And this is a really important thing for both journalists and for people consuming media in these moments to realize is that there are lots of hoaxers who know that in this moment people are just grabbing onto whatever image they can find. So they might Photoshop something and send it out. What we commonly see in, in weather situations is now what I call the street shark, <laughs> where pe people will claim to see in a flooded street or highway a shark swimming. So beware of street sharks. So who should we trust? Well, a little bit of no one and a little bit of everyone. People on the ground 
that's always your preferred source. Can, have they actually seen it with their own eyes? Are they actually there? And do they know the area? Really, really important. But not guaranteed. I'm tempted now to play another montage here of bad reporting of the Boston Marathon bombing, the Sandy Hook shooting, the Oregon Mall shooting, the Aurora, Colorado shooting, the Virginia Tech shooting, and Columbine. But I won't, because the exercise would be more depressing than illustrative. Instead, we'll put a chart on our website to post by your TV or radio or computer to consult when next confronted with a blood-saturated lead. Because innocent people are shattered by guns, but also by the buckshot of frenzied media, social media included. Take note of the words. We're receiving reports, an unnamed official says, another news outlet reports, experts speculate, and of course, second gunmen. Mostly, they're just buckets of blather deployed to fill that aching void. So print out our little chart, and may you never need it. But you will. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. <laughs> 